Welcome back, folks. We're here for episode two of the Live Fire Cooking Podcast with Derek Wolf, Christy Vanover, and myself. And we're going to get right into it. And I'm going to ask Christy first, what was something cool you cooked recently? I have been on a total fish kick lately. Um, and one of my favorite dishes that I've been making is a coconut milk poached cod. And Ooh. it's cooked down with some Fresno peppers and some lime juice. It's a super simple dish that's ready in like 10 minutes, but it's just packed with really great flavors. What what exactly yeah. is that? I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Good. I got you intrigued. That's what I want. Um, yeah. So you it's basically you start out with some Fresno peppers, which are um, like a red pepper similar to a jalapeno. You could also use jalapenos if you can't find Fresnos. Um, the red just gives it a nice color. You just saute that in a little bit of butter with some lime zest. You pour in a can of coconut milk, um, some chicken broth, uh, juice of a half a lime, and then you poach the cod in that. So you just get your skillet right over the fire there, poach the cod. It just takes a few few minutes per side until it's just nice and flaky about an internal temp of 145 then you take the fish out and then toss in a handful or two of fresh spinach so again that contrasts with that nice red pepper with the green of the spinach and then you place the fish in a bowl pour that broth right on top and add a little bit of fresh squeeze of lime a little bit more lime zest and dinner's served <laughs> that's, that's awesome <laughs> that that's uh that sounds very delicious. It is. I, I was not. I was not expecting to start the morning with cod. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, like I said, I've been on a fish kick. It's so hot here in Vegas. Still, I mean, we, we're still triple digit temps, and um, fish is just something that's light and fast and easy and and just really refreshing. So yeah, I've re really been enjoying fish lately. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give that a try for sure. It's it's something that like I, I feel like so many of us that are hardcore carnivores um, can kind of ignore fish a little bit. And I mm -hmm. feel like there's, there's, there's way more of a place for it. I grew up doing a lot of fishing in Canada. So we would cook walleye and, and pike and perch and stuff like that. And um, it, it seems like the barbecue community doesn't necessarily give fish quite what it deserves um, sometimes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm definitely somebody who's doing big cuts of meat all the time and, you know, briskets and pork butts and all sorts of stuff. But just on a hot summer day, first of all, it is hard to be out by a fire, you know, a live cook, do some live fire cooking when it's when it's 110 degrees out. Absolutely. But I, but I yeah. still love it. It's still a passion. It's still some, a place I want to be. Um, I just don't want to necessarily stand there as long. So so, yeah, I still get that opportunity. And then as the embers start to, you know, kind of go down and the sun is going down, then it's a little bit more enjoyable to be hanging out there yeah that makes sense how about you Derek? what have you been cooking recently well actually on the fish note <laughs> um you know so i've done um like a nail planked uh i did an arctic char a couple of uh months ago so i nailed it to a, a plank and then i leaned it over the fire um actually this past week um i did a whole uh side of salmon um nailed uh, to a hickory plank uh, and leaned it over the fire for about mm, two hours. And then I finished it off with a, um, like a spicy gremolata. Uh, so very similar to a chimichurri, uh, except just a few variational differences, um, much more of a citrusy uh, lemon-based uh, sauce, uh, a lot more herbal, not as saucy or as oily. Really, you don't even use any oil 
Uh, if you don't want to, don't use the red wine vinegar, but I still added a little bit of chili flakes. Um, so <clears throat> that was a lot of fun. Honestly, I, uh, I was really taken back. The Arctic char that I did a couple of months ago, um, leaning over the fire was um, a lot of fun and uh, kind of changed my perspective on how I can cook fish like that. Um, but I think that when it came to the salmon, uh, it changed my experience on uh, what you can actually get with um, a crust on the outside uh, of a salmon, uh, especially when it's slowly cooked like that. You can still get that um, that really nice, uh, firm, but uh, delicious outside caramelization and crust from the smoke that you would get from like a traditional uh, kind of like smoked salmon, um, on, like leaning over a fire. Uh, so that really, uh, changed my perspective on what else can I do with fish and, um, man, it can be just as delicious leaning over a fire as it can be being smoked. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> yeah. Did the, did you find that the char, how did that cook compared to salmon? Like what were the differences as you were doing it over the fire? Cause you've obviously done salmon before that. Uh, how did it compare when you're cooking it? Well, I mean, Arctic char is uh, a little bit, I mean, the cut that I used was a little bit smaller than the one that I actually used for the salmon. Um, so the salmon just obviously takes a little longer, but I mean, they're relatively very similar um, in the cooking. I will say though, with the salmon, um, I used a king, uh, Atlantic king cut. So it's just a lot fattier. So I, I think the one thing I really love about salmon is how it's self-basting. Um, basically, as that fat melts, it drips down the side of the wood plank, and then you end up with a really delicious self-baked, uh, you know, self-basting salmon um, that really never loses any of its moisture content, even though it's been cooking for two hours over the fire. Uh, that's always been one thing I've always struggled with with fish is one, how do you prevent from it sticking? Um, and two, what, uh, how do you get it from not being like so dry and bland um, yeah. Yeah. without using like half a tub of butter uh, <laughs> to make it taste good? So did you find that char was, you're saying it was leaner than the salmon? Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely leaner, uh, or at least leaner than the cut of salmon that I use this time. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that definitely makes a difference. If I was using like a wild sockeye um, or something like that, that would that would change the whole cook. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Sure. One thing that I found is be interesting or, or in the past with, with fish and smoking fish in, in particular is that the, it seems like the leaner the cut, it directly correlates with how much smoke penetration you get. Like I did some, I tried, I know this wasn't, you're not supposed to, but a couple of years ago I had caught a bunch of Northern pike and I tried smoking them on my green egg and I, and I just cranked the smoke. I had a whole bunch of hickory and I just, I let them in there for a while at, uh, a, with a ton of smoke in there. And you pull them out and you could see on the outside that, that they had been smoked. I cut into it and took a piece and ate it and I literally couldn't taste hickory. Like I, huh. I, I was shocked. I was standing there. I was like, I, I've, I've, I've smoked everything I can, you can think of in that thing. And if you pound it with hickory, you can, you can taste the hickory. I mean, it's a very pungent smoke. It's, it's a strong flavor. And it didn't penetrate that pike at all. And I think it's just because there's no fat content whatsoever in a fillet of pike. Um, there's no skin. There's no fat. There's nothing for it to the smoke to travel along almost. Um, so the, the flavor just didn't penetrate it. Well, yeah, I think that, um, 
you know, with that, the fat really captures a lot of that smoke. It, it creates a, a really uh, sticky surface for it to uh, just capture onto um, at least the moisture level that it creates as it melts. Uh, so I don't know. I like, I would love to try doing some different stuff, um, leaning over the fire, going and doing some uh, wild caught stuff, or uh, I really love to do um, like cut them into get salmon, cut it into fillets and then cut two little slits uh, at the top and bottom and then lean it over the fire through a, uh, like a cedar pike. Yeah. Um, I so know. I don't know, but, uh, I think that fish, I agree with you, um, both that fish, especially in the barbecue community, uh, and the open fire community is a little different. I feel like, um, Fish is so uh, it, it's a natural, you know, sort uh, protein source. So you end up having a lot more uh, of it available, especially if you're out in the wilderness. And it's definitely an easier thing uh, to cook. It cooks really quickly. It's it's great and easy uh, in the barbecue community. I was actually just looking through um, my feed and looking at okay, what are the things that people really are cat, you know, grasping onto from the recipes I'm doing and the videos and all that stuff. And I mean, four out of my top nine posts that I've ever done were seafood, uh, two of them being fish. So I think, uh, and that also compares a little bit with uh, chicken as well. I think that people people understand how to cook red meat. Um, and outside of the United States, I think a lot of people really know how to, un- uh, how to cook lamb. Um, but both chicken and seafood are, it's not that they're daunting, it's that they need a lot of uh, flavor additives to it because, you know, uh, outside of maybe some seafood and some fish, I mean, chicken in and of itself doesn't really have any flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, people are looking for how do I cook this? Um, or maybe even how do I do this a little different? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Chrissy. Hey. Hey Derek, how are you? Uh, how are you mounting your fish to the planks? Are you using wire or twine, or well, I guess twine would burn up, but nailing it on? What's what's your method? Yeah, so I uh, I had to go through um, a bunch of sources. You can actually find it on Amazon. I found a stainless steel grade three hundred four nail. Okay. Um, so that's food grade stainless steel. That is mm-hmm. actually the stainless steel I'm pretty sure that you use on the Phoenix plancha pad. That's your pad. That's, that's correct. Yep. Um, so, I mean, those guys, they're like reusable. You just wash them. I got a pack of like a hundred of them for like five bucks. <laughs> nice. Um, actually the biggest, the biggest issue for me is finding a uh, good untreated wood, um, that's thick enough to handle, um, having a nail go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was, I mean, I have a few friends that I've been able uh, to figure out how do I get uh, get that, and a lot of them, uh, you know, are are in that form of an industry. So once I found a source, I was able to do it. But that was actually more difficult than going on Amazon and buying, you know, food grade stainless steel nails. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing. In fact, uh, there's a ton of other ways you can do it as well. Um, I do think uh, there some Scandinavian companies have some really amazing. Um, like mesh, metal mesh. Uh, I don't even know. They, they just come over the top of the fish and they're reusable and they're really great. So I think the nails work really great too. And it, um, people always think that it's going to lean and fall off or whatever. And 
honestly, I've never, I've done it a couple of times now and I've never really had an issue um, cool. of the salmon coming off. Definitely going to have to give that a shot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely that what you mentioned, Derek, about the, the open fire community. You know, one of the ways it differs a little bit from, from the more classic barbecue community is it does seem like, like we, like with the, with the, you know, the plank salmon, things like that, that, that fish are, um, maybe given maybe a little bit more attention, probably still a lot less than they should be given, but more so at least in the barbecue world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't, wouldn't you agree, Christy? Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, definitely. Cause I mean, you just, you don't really do a slow and low smoke on a fish unless like you're cold smoking, you know, you're cooking below 180 or something right, and then right. you can do your smoked salmon, but, but yeah, you're not fish cook so fast. You're just not giving it that big hearty smoke that, that you usually would. So when I'm cooking seafood, my, my traditional favorite method is really everything in cast iron. So yeah. like, like that dish I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, that was in cast iron. I just fried up some catfish, um, actually just two nights ago. And again, every time I fry, I really just like to do it outside, especially when I'm cooking fish, because it just keeps the smell outside instead of inside the house. And I just do a quick, you know, flour, cornmeal, Cajun seasoning, toss it in there and fry it up. And whether it's a whole filet or nuggets, it just works out really well. And then I can set a pot on the on the grill grate as well over the fire. And, um, you know, I like okra and tomatoes. Some people don't because okra can be a little bit slimy. So a good substitute is just to chop up some zucchini. Mm. and then throw some tomatoes in there with like a splash of vinegar and some garlic powder and stuff and some white rice and you can call that a meal <laughs> yeah that that's kind of how i would have more grown up cooking fish was like because we had a lot of fish um we would pretty much always do it the same way where you fillet uh whether it's walleye or pike you'd fillet it and then you would fry it in cast iron like in and you usually you'd batter it in something you know just pretty simple and then fry it in butter or oil mm-hmm. um and that's always you know, that, that's, you got a good crispy edge and like even pike, which is a, some people kind of claim is a flavorless fish, uh, tastes great when given that, that treatment. Um, the, the one fish that I have had a ton of fun with smoking in the past is, um, I've done a decent amount of fishing in the West where you, you know, where you're catching like trout, like trout in the streams, like fairly small, like 12 inch trout. Um, and I found that, that those little guys, suck up smoke like crazy. I mean, I'll put them on the, the egg even for just a couple minutes. And I mean, you take a bite of it and it's just like, it's almost overpowering how much smoke gets, you know, into the, into the, into the fish in such a short period of time. Mm. Um, I don't know why that is. Maybe you guys could tell me. Yeah, I personally, I don't know, but you're, but you're absolutely right. That's, and I actually, where I work, we've got, we've got rainbow trout that are stocked out here and um, my fishing skills are not so fantastic. So <laughs> 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 I'm good at fishing. I'm not good at catching. <laughs> um, but yeah, the guys are always pulling them out of the lake here um, and grilling them up, smoking them up. But you're right. I, yeah. I'm not sure the reason though, Derek, are you familiar why they would get more smoke flavor than some other type of fish? You know, um, that's a great question. You know, on this show, none of us are going to say we're experts in any category. However, um, I mean, that's something that would be interesting to see if, uh, you know, y'all who are listening, I mean, uh, leave a comment or, or message yeah. us on what you think, uh, why, you know, why, why does trout tend to, um, capture a lot more smoke uh, than maybe some other fish. I, I'm going to go out on, on a limb. Um, I'm just going to say, because it's such a thin fish, um, I would imagine that because it cooks quickly, if there's that amount of smoke, it probably captures more smoke 
than maybe something that would be have a larger surface area. Um, yeah, and how are the scales? Would you say that because I've never caught one, so I haven't scaled it. <laughs> would you say that they're uh, that they're like uh, thinner, maybe less um, less dense than like a, a striper or something like that, or? Well, it, it, it could be that I, the reason I don't think it would be this, like the scales is because in like in both cases, um, it, like, like, for example, that pike that I tried to smoke, that was a, a clean fillet, right? There was no skin mm-hmm. on that. There was no scales. Okay. Um, so if you take out like a fillet of pike and then a fillet of either trout or salmon and smoke them together at the exact same temperature with the exact same amount of smoke, it'd be, you know, uncomparable how much more smoke you would get in, uh, that trout species. So I don't know, like... If I were to wager a theory, it'd be something to do with, once again, with fat content in the fillet mm-hmm. itself, um, where there's little veins of fat. Maybe you can't even see them that are not, not like marbled the way a beef would be, but it's just like the, the, the content of like in an ounce of trout, for example, there might be a certain percentage of fat versus an ounce of pike or walleye. And I'm, I'm, that'd be my theory, but I don't know. I don't know if that's right or not. Hmm. Yeah. We'll definitely have to research that one. Yeah. That's a, that's a good <laughs> <Sure>. question. <laughs> So, um, Derek, what have, what have you cooked in the last, just real recently, other than fish, uh, that's, that you've had a good time with? Well, um, man, I've been, uh, I mean, it was, you know, Labor Day weekend and, um, we really didn't do all that much cooking. I actually took the whole, most of the weekend off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good. Uh, but when it comes to some other stuff that I've been cooking, um, you know, I, I've been really getting back into lamb, cooking a lot more lamb lately. Yeah. Um, I know I uh, the lamb T-bones, uh, lamb T-bone chops, I've actually cooked three times in the past two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, so I just think lamb is such an underrated meat um, inside the United States and uh, maybe even inside the barbecue community as well. I think uh, it tends to be beef, pork, and chicken. Um but lamb, I mean, it's the other red meat. So um, it's, man, it's so good. Lamb leg, smoked lamb leg. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that you can you can cook off of lamb um, that I've really been getting into. The, the one thing, though, that I'm, I got on my list coming up that I'm really excited about um, is I'm going to be doing a traditional uh, tacos al pastor, which is actually not lamb, it's pork. Um, and so I will be doing that on a rotisserie, um, actually this weekend. So that's going to be a good cook. Nice. Looking forward to that. Christy, have you done much with lamb in the past? You know, I like lamb, but my husband doesn't. So that, <laughs> the, the, so that limits, um, how much lamb I actually cook. Cause I do like to feed him and make him happy. So right, um, sure. l- like, I, I love myself a medium rare lamb chop. Like I could just, I could just gnaw on those, but, um, but yeah, so I don't cook with a lot of lamb. Um, lately I've, I've been digging the hatch green chilies that are on season right now. So, yeah. um, Living in the Southwest, we they're starting to hit the stores, and so throwing those over the coals and getting those roasted down, freezing up a whole bunch of them, and yeah, just just I just made some uh, hatch chili cheddar biscuits with some honey butter. That was pretty divine. With did some biscuits and gravy for brunch with those types of biscuits, yeah. and yeah, so yeah, hatch chili. Just thinking, I'm just brainstorming like all the ways to to use them once they're roasted. So I'm I'm kind of a northern kid, and so I'm not very familiar with what you're talking about. What exact, like, okay, what is exactly a hatch chili and how do you cook it and what's it for? 
Yeah, so a hatch chili looks really similar to basically an Anaheim chili. So it's the long, skinny, light green chili um, instead of like the Poblano or Pasilla, which is the the dark, really dark green um, chili. It's the sure. light green one. Right. Um, and so the ones that are grown in Hatch, New Mexico, just for some reason have this more... Um, I don't know, just there's, they've got a zing to them. They've just got more flavor, more earthiness to them. And so they, they come in season usually in September. Um, usually the early batch is like early September batch is kind of a mild. And then later in the season, they start, start to get a little bit spicier. Um, the way that you cook them up is you just roast them. You just char them to where the skin gets nice and blistered. Then you throw them in a baggie until it kind of steams inside that bag. And then you can scrape off all the skin and then cut off the stem, scrape out the seeds and dice them up. And then I like to just portion them up in little snack size bags and you can put them in your cornbread. You could, you know, put them in your tacos and casseroles, right. really good in, in hash for breakfast. Um, you can buy them in cans too. You can buy, you know, you can buy just regular ha- canned green chilies, which are the like Anaheim ones, or you can even, at least in the Southwest, you can buy canned hatch green chilies, but there's just something about roasting them yourself. And, you know, fill in your freezer with them and then pulling them out all year long. But right now they just sell them by the caseload here in Las Vegas and in other um, Western areas. But I know even when I lived in Texas and when I lived in Kansas, um, we could occasionally get some out there, too. You just got to go to the right grocery. Um, And then some grocery stores uh, will even cook them, roast them for you. They'll have these big barrels that they put them in. And then there's like these propane torches and the barrels just rotate and they're just charring them. And then they'll just sell them to you already roasted. So, yeah, if you can if you can find your hatch green chilies this time of year, definitely get some and play around with them. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I might be stuck with just using Derek's for. for the <laughs> <time>. <laughs> well, Hatch yeah. is such a. Oh man, I mean, Hatch uh, brings back so many memories for me from the Southwest as well. But um, I mean, I the best burger I've ever had was a bacon, egg, cheese, Hatch green chili burger. Nice. Um, and it was just it was everything you hoped it would be. So. <laughs> I mean, that's a uh, hatch is so good. It is so delicious. It's very refreshing. Um, it can be spicy, um, earthy. I don't, yeah, it's, uh, I just absolutely love hatch. Um, they're really great. That's such an interesting, like to hear that, to hear the tradition that you described Christy of like the whole process and like freezing it for the year. Cause like where I would have grown up, that'd be like blueberry season, like wild blueberries. You like go and pick blueberries for your whole year. And then you yes. freeze them and then you're pulling them out, you know, to go in your cereal in January and stuff like that. But it's just, it's just funny how like different regions have their traditions around food. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah, that's so true. Because, yeah, there's nothing like a fresh picked blueberry or fresh peaches. Like when we lived exactly. up when I lived up in Kentucky, like they just drip off your chin. And yeah, if you want to just like capture and savor that that food memory for as long as you can. And, and yeah, when it's freezing cold outside and you're pulling out that hot hatch chili, it's just like, yeah, there's something about it that just warms your soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. I have a question for actually both of you guys. So I have been on this very recent scallop kick because, so I didn't grow up eating them. Um, and I kind of, they kind of have a negative, at least among my friend circle, they have sort of a lot of people don't like them. And I've been doing them. Like I did some this weekend on the rim of the Phoenix on the, on the sear plate there. And they were insane. Like they were maybe the best thing I cooked all weekend. I was literally cooking. I don't know if you guys saw, but pretty much the entire weekend long. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they were the best thing of the whole weekend. And and I'm kind of like, is this just like, what's the secret here? Like, is it just the heat or, or what have you guys, what's you guys been experienced with, with scallops? 
I absolutely love scallops. I actually cooked some this week as well. Two two key things, I think. You've got to make sure that your scallops are dry. So um, when you buy scallops, um, there's like dry packed scallops and there's wet packed scallops. Either one's fine. But if you get the wet packed ones, you've got to make sure that you get all the moisture out. And you can't just necessarily like pat them dry with a paper towel and think all the moisture's gone because there's still so much moisture that they hold inside. So I like to even just keep them um, uncovered in a refrigerator if I need to for a little bit of time to just kind of help... evaporate out that moisture. And then, like you said, flame and hot skillet because you want that quick, fast sear and you don't want to overcook them. So what people tend to do is there are unfortunately a little bit too wet inside. They'll put them in their skillet. It'll start to steam them. And then they're looking for that sear. So they keep cooking it, keep cooking it, keep cooking it until that steam evaporates. And by that time, they've actually overcooked the inside of the of the scallop. So right. what you want to do is make sure it's dry, then throw it on that hot skillet so that it just sears quickly and just it just barely needs a cook honestly even if even a little medium rare i'm okay with for scallops um but if you want to cook it through you know go to go to your 140 145 just to be safe right derek do you have any tips uh i mean i think that the biggest thing is just having um i mean i wholeheartedly agree uh, getting the moisture content out um is a massive uh just secret to getting really delicious scallops um i think for me the biggest thing about scallops is uh you can add so much flavor um, to them. I know you can do like a Thai red chili sauce that can go on top of them, or you can do all kinds of really fun stuff. They go amazing. Um, Everything goes good with butter, but they go really great with butter. Um, And they go really great with uh, herbal butters or uh, compound butters. Um, I, I mean, the fun thing I love about scallops is that you can buy a lot of them uh, and you can cook them really quickly. And the other thing is, is that they're one of those things that a backyard barbecue or you're hanging out with friends, you're still cooking steaks on the side, but then you start serving them scallops. And a lot of people, I, I know, I wouldn't necessarily say my group of friends is always like they have a bad connotation, but for, for a lot of people, scallops are just not seen as a, like a main, like a main entree. Right. Um, so, you know, they're like the, the add on for surf and turf. Um, and so like do a surf and turf with them, but sure enough, they're going to be the thing that stands out the most because you can add a lot more flavor. Uh, you can get that. I mean, everybody's looking for that caramelization, that crust on the outside. Um, so, I mean that I, I absolutely love scallops. Um, so I guess I'm just going to have to cook some this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One, one of the dishes that I actually just did, um, I did a, a shredded Brussels sprout. So I, I love bacon and Brussels sprouts, but kind of this time of year, you know, it, we just kind of think of the whole or the half Brussels sprouts as more of a, a fall dish. So instead I shred them. So they're, they're nice and light, um, fry up the bacon, toss in the shredded Brussels sprouts, like cook that up nice, take that out. And then I actually sear my scallops directly in that. And then I finish it off with just a splash of bourbon and some butter and to just create a thicker sauce. And then serve that right over the the shredded Brussels sprouts and bacon. And I mean, four scallops is, is a good size meal with, you yeah. know, with the side of Brussels sprouts. It's, you know, it's a light, nice summer meal. It's not a big tomahawk or anything, but yeah, it does the trick. That sounds, that sounds in, insane. I'm going to, I'm, that's, I'm going to basically copy that. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's what this show's all about, right? Exactly right. We get yeah. inspiration from each other and we hope we inspire others. So that's exactly. cool. So this is a perfect time for me to plug our new Phoenix product because the uh, sear plate, which we've been calling our top, like Derek calls it a plancha, but the rest of us call it a sear plate, <laughs> on the top of the Phoenix there gets insanely hot. 
And so this weekend, what I've been I've been doing is I, I've been cooking on the grill and on the sear plate, and then just sort of modifying depending on what the, the what the mix of food I'm cooking is, um, transferring things back and forth, or just doing one on, on one and one on the other. So like when I did the surf and turf, I did the, the I did the um, the grill, I did salmon, uh, big uh, Pacific fillets, and then on the on the sear plate, I did the scallops, and then some some New York strips like cut in half so they're a little smaller, and there's like eight of them. Um, but the, the, the part of that whole cook that struck the most to me, and that's why I brought scallops up is because those scallops got that, like, you kind of seen the photos, they got that, like, um, pretty like brown sear on the top and bottom. Um, I didn't turn like on the side, it was just like the top and then the bottom flipped them one time and they were only on there for, I don't even know, like a minute or two. It was, it was short, a couple minutes. Um, so if you're interested in a fire pit, that is also an epic grill that you can sear your scallops check out the Brio Phoenix. <laughs> There's my plug. Definitely. And those lobsters that you did on there, I mean, those looked, those just looked phenomenal. I love the way that you cut those. Those were, yeah, those were that's, really cool. a, that's a hack from Derek. Sorry, Derek. <laughs> 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 hey, honestly, yeah. I mean, shameless, shameless plug that the Brio is awesome. I mean, I've talked, you know, so the Phoenix launched this weekend and, um, I know that all three of us have kind of been somewhat of a part of um, just the process or with Brio for a little bit. And um, all that to say, I mean, man, you know, I, I, I kept on saying that it's more than just a fire pit. It is wholeheartedly a grill and a fire pit all at the same time. And I'm going to be honest, I think, uh, you know, I've gotten messages from multiple people um, wanting one or wanting to know how to get one, even influencers, a few of them wanting to be like, Hey, how do I get a part of this? Uh, and what's going on? So I'm just going to be honest. There's a lot of great grills that are out there. You go with what you can, uh, what you can get your hands on or what you feel comfortable with. But man, um, that Phoenix is, it's legit. I mean, it's super legit. Thank you, sir. Well, we appreciate your feedback and, Derek's actually been a huge part in the design process and, and just kind of helping us evolve our thinking around how, how to build a cool fire pit that's also, you know, can double as a great wood-fired grill. So we launched at noon on Friday and ran our pre-orders until uh, midnight on Monday, and we were blown away with the response for, like, a brand-new product. You know, it's, you never know how that's actually going to go. <laughs> but people were stoked, so I can't wait to see what people do with them. Now, so are you cooking on it pretty much every day for the rest of this week? Every freaking day. <laughs> Welcome to our lives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, amen. Yeah, yeah I'm, my, what I'm planning to do tomorrow, I have um, a back ham from a wild boar that I shot. Wow. And uh, I'm going to try to hang that sucker for like, I don't know what it's going to be, like five hours. Because um, I want to go somewhat low and slow. I'm just going to hang it off of a twine like about on, on the kettle winch over the phoenix. And uh, I'll probably do that tomorrow. I was going to do it today, but it's such a big hunk. I started thawing it out too late, and it's not even close to thawed out yet. So uh, I'll probably do that tomorrow, and then I've got a bunch of other stuff happening all weekend. So it should be a good time. Sweet. I can't wait to watch that one. Yeah, that sounds awesome. All righty. We're at 31 and a half minutes. Do you guys have anything you want to burning on your chest you want to get off? <laughs> I love the pun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, fire, no. fire puns are fire puns are never ending. <laughs> right. No, man, this is this has been fantastic. I, and I, I really appreciate everybody that's been tuning in. This is our second podcast. We've got so many more fun things to talk about. Um, you know, we're gonna go through everything from what we're wrapping up this summer and to going into our nice fall dishes and and then even cooking over fire in winter. So yeah, we just hope people keep tuning in and love the show as much as we're having fun doing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I'm getting ready uh, and geared up for fall cooking uh, and tailgating. So I'm pretty excited. I think uh, when we get back, um, talking about some really awesome fall grilling recipes, um, we're talking chili, maybe even hatch chili. <laughs> hatch chili chili. There we go. Uh, nice. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think tailgating is such a big, everybody is so easy. It's so easy to just say burgers, brats, and hot dogs. Um, but I think there's a lot of other food out there that can feed the masses that you can cook that's 10 times more delicious. So absolutely agreed. Well, thank you guys. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Appreciate you guys tuning in for our second ever episode of the Live Fire Cooking Podcast. And we will see you on the next episode.